Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing a series we started last week called Planted in the Midst of the Oaks Project, 40 Days of Prayer. There's a lot to unpack in all of this, and I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Abreu. Hey, Taylor. Jose, Good morning. Welcome back. And we're joined by Crosswalk Pastor J.D. Wilhelm. Welcome back to the podcast, J.D. Thanks so much. It's good to be back. Jose, we are in the midst of an exciting 40 days of prayer, praying individually, praying as a church for what God has for us in this season. And then in the midst of that, you've kind of uh, had a special message and a series on your heart called Planted, looking at what are we growing and what are we sowing. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as you prepared, again, just not for this message, but even in the context of the series, in the context of the Oaks Project, everything God's doing. Yeah, the big thing that we that I want to remember and that I want to remind us through this is that we cannot sow without growing first. So we can't give without first receiving. This is all done in response to what Jesus has done for us. And so we have an opportunity here to sow into future generations so that they can become like these oaks of righteousness that uh, Isaiah talks about in chapter 61. And uh, so for for this next few weeks, we're going to talk about sowing. Sowing giving, investing time, energy. And I do think that when it comes to building projects, big money, like the money that we're talking about, it can bring up a lot of tension in our hearts. And so what I mentioned on Sunday and what I want to mention again today is it's more important if we have our priorities in order through this, then give X amount. Because I want us to give out of this gratitude of what he has already done for us. And uh, we do that when we put, hey, okay, where do I need to invest? We looked at the family, we looked at the church, and then we look at the community. And again, the Oaks Project is is all three. The Oaks Project is about investing in the family and the church and the community. JD, you get the opportunity to invest literally sowing seeds in the next generation full time. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, not only on the Oaks Project and this is season, but just even uh, the message as we dive in the episode. Absolutely. I think this idea of growing is so crucial. I mean, working with college students, this is the most transitional formative four years of your life. And so you think about not how do we want a college student to look when they graduate in four years, but you go, what sort of husbands Mm -hmm. and wives and fathers and mothers and daughters and sons and employees and employers are we looking to impact and form through the gospel lens. And so this couples so perfectly with what we're looking to do on the Texas State campus, which is to have this holistic formational view of what is a discipleship uh, of Jesus look like. And so this pairs in a lot of ways, it just helps college students to have a long-term understanding of what growth throughout a lifetime looks like. They might not have financial capital right now, but it's still just as important that they are understanding this growing and sowing concept as they seek to understand what is God's calling on their life going forward. Yeah, one of my favorite things as a college student at Texas State and at Crosstalk was focus and other opportunities to invest in students and invest in the church. So you're right about not having a lot of capital. They have time yes, and, and an <laughs> yeah. opportunity to, to, to invest. And um, so many rich formational experiences, Mm -hmm. giving and sowing and investing our time and our energy and our love and our care for for others. So if we don't get these in balance, though, if we don't get these priorities right, it it can go awry. And that's why Jeremiah 29 is so 
pivotal to this. Yeah, yeah. where we sow matters, where we invest matters. Yeah. So you mentioned that Jeremiah 29, uh, the verse that you said we all typically hear, verse 11 here, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But just a few verses earlier, verses 4 and 6, uh, God is giving instructions to his people about building homes, planning to stay, planting gardens, eating the food they produce, Mary having children, finding spouses for them, so you may have grandchildren and multiply yeah. so you do not dwindle. Yeah away and, and seeking the welfare of the city yes. yeah peace and prosperity Verse of the seven, city right that's yes. the community yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. so so all of that jose you, you brought up just showing us the priority showing us kind of where we should be sowing we'd love for you to kind of tap into just practically how do we do that we we looked this week at more of the priorities so i'd love to kind of hear y'all's thoughts on how do you personally prioritize these because I don't know about y'all, but it, it seems a little subjective here sometimes. Okay, how much time I'm putting here? How much right. time I'm putting there? So yeah. how do y'all navigate just even that personally and then even just as leaders of your household and, and leading your family in this as well? Yeah, that's so good. And I want to hit it right back to you because you aren't married and I would love to hear your uh, boundaries and, and how you do this really, really well because what this is talking about, it's it's saying, hey, have grandchildren because they're not going to be there in 70 years, many of them. They're, they're going to die. That's how long the people of Israel or in exile. So what God is telling them is, hey, invest in the future generations because they're the ones that are going to come back. And and so you're, you're passing it forward. Make sure that you live and invest in things that will outlive you and, and be here when you're not. And Taylor, you do that so incredibly well. So you better get ready. You better get well, your, no, your, your, hear your, your, your answer, <laughs> answer ready. I, I think it is so interesting that the Lord doesn't say, like retreat away. Yeah. <laughs> Go seclude yourself away into this place that can be a holy huddle where yeah, you're isolated. This self-preservation. He says, no, like stay, <laughs> plant gardens, build homes, get married, have children. All of those things are so important. I mean, you look at church history, the monastic movement was this separation yeah from society. It's this, we're going to be set apart uh, in order to draw closer to the Lord. And yet the Lord is saying here, no, draw near to a broken, hurting culture. And even in an, in this context, an oppressive culture, right. draw near to it so that people might come to know me through the way in which you invest yeah. in your family in your church, in your community. That is a really pivotal piece is not to run away from culture, to not run away from the world, but actually to lean into it as a an example of what it means to pursue a, a life of holiness in those spaces. Yeah. I think about someone who just personally, I, I love the future. I love thinking about the future, living in the future if I could. And so I, I hear God in this passage to his people, just asking them to be present and just mm. thinking about, okay, I know, you know, they know in 70 years where they'll be in the future. And just like us, we know where we're going to be after this life on earth. And yet God's asking to be present, to, to dig those roots. I watched a, a really great uh, Bible project video that, that really talked mm -hmm. about this verse and this passage and just what it looks like for us to be in the world, but not of it. And so I think that's that's a big thing here is even, yeah. even though we're talking about investing in future generations, that looks like being present in the lives That's of right. those around us, mm -hmm. being present in the lives of, of those that are younger than us, that are uh, mm -hmm. in those formative years, just like I can think of countless people that did that for me, that mm -hmm. I, I wasn't giving them anything. They, they weren't getting anything out of that, but it was just because of their heart and wanting to invest in, in others as well. Yeah, we live in such an independent 
uh, culture where we're self-focused and Mm -hmm. where I want to succeed. So my success is uh, dependent on my work ethic, on what I can do for me. And that, that's not a, that's not totally bad. That was the second part of the message, right? Where we talked about, okay, what's only your responsibility? And then where can others come and support you? Or where can you support others in Galatians five and Galatians six? But if we get the priorities out of order, or if we don't get out of our self-focused culture, mm-hmm. then then we miss out yeah. on what God wants to build around us. And, you know, I'll go into my, my struggle. I, I love church. I, I was raised spiritually through this church. I have such a passion and a fervor to see Cyprus continue to grow in a healthy way so that we can continue on for generations and generations. I mean, that that enthrills me to think about my great, great, great grandchildren coming to church here someday. You know, I mean, that's that's exciting. And yet at the same time, there will be many pastors that'll come through this church. My wife only has one husband. And my kids only have one dad. And so that's my number one priority. After following Jesus, my number one priority is is being a dad and a husband to my family. And that that's always a struggle. You know, okay, how much time do we, when do we do this? When do we do that? When do I go, you know, long night, et cetera? And uh, I, I would say that the two things that I've learned from the Lord, one is follow the Holy Spirit. He'll show you mm-hmm. when, and then to ma- maintain unity with, in in my case, with with my bride, so that we're both uh, agreeing on on how we move forward. And then it's it's a weekly it's a weekly challenge. But I'll tell you, it is so worth it to mm-hmm. keep first. You know, make sure that we are family first, church second, and community third. Yeah, I would. I I'm curious to hear your perspective on this, Taylor. But I think it's interesting that for the first. Uh, I don't know, 1300 years of the church, we were really focused on celibacy and singleness as the way to drawing close to the Lord. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, Paul says it's good. Like if you- Jesus did too. Jesus said it too. Like it's this wonderful thing. And then at the Reformation, you have this uh, emphasis on the family and the family being the place in which we do the work of God. And that is super, super important. But I think what oftentimes gets left behind is- like the holy vocation of being single. And that doesn't mean that you're not a part of a family. It just means that family looks different. And I think that's important when we talk about family being the number one priority. We're still a a child to our parents. We still, for many of us, have siblings. And those are real gifts to invest in our families, even if we don't have a wife and children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. No, that's good. I'm still, I'm still learning what spot. that looks You're like. No, no. I, I'm, <laughs> Twice now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's, uh, I, I think definitely this church I've been very grateful for because it doesn't make me feel like a second class citizen because I'm single. And mm-hmm. I think this in many ways is the family that God has for me mm-hmm. right now. And so I've been very grateful both receiving and then hopefully getting a chance to give back to that mm-hmm. as well. That's good. In that, in that sewing. Jose, you alluded to, these priorities, my family, my church, and my community. And there is so much there when it comes to sewing, especially if you, whether it's just simply grabbing coffee with someone, whether it's beginning to really deepen in a relationship with somebody, there's stuff that comes up. You realize that not only maybe God uses that to show brokenness. I think about examples. He's shown me brokenness in my life, but even just brokenness in someone else's life. And then you begin to kind of wrestle with, okay, 
with all these burdens, with all this brokenness around yeah. you, how do you navigate that? And so, Jose, I loved how you went into Galatians 5, really beginning to kind of analyze that as as we sow, you know, it can quickly become super burdensome. Yeah. That you begin to, you know, you may be tempted to back out. So, there was a lot that you covered as far as in these pieces in this passage. We'd love to kind of hit some of the high-level yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah. stood out to yeah. y'all in, we have uh, time in now. Galatians 5. We have time now. That's right. That's right. What, what, what were some of the big takeaways just for y'all personally? And obviously, not only for y'all that encounter this on a day-to-day basis, but even just how you would encourage those around you that are also in similar positions of, of really caring so deeply for someone and wanting to, to maybe fix them or maybe want to cure the brokenness. How do you guide them towards navigating that in yeah, a healthy way? We really, I think, are wired either more so to one or the other. Some of us are more wired toward the personal responsibility side. I just want to do me. I just want to get my stuff done. And then if you get your stuff done or not, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, that some of us are more self-reliant. Some of us are more naturally independent, uh, work better. Uh, don't, don't like group projects, right? Work better on, on, <laughs> on our own. And then there's others of us that are they're more collective and, and we want other people people's feedback and we want to be in each other's lives and we want to help carry other people's burdens. And and I think that the importance thing, I think about a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Life Together. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says that if you are more independent, then you probably need to work harder Mm -hmm. at being in community and allowing other people in. And then if you are more so a community person, Mm -hmm. you always love being around people, you should probably work harder on being alone with the Lord and allowing Mm -hmm. him to, to, to form you and, and, and give you that, you know, peace. And so in this, in this way, Paul's teaching us to do both of those things. Mm-hmm. And it is this ping pong match. Yeah. And I would say just quick answer. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit that, dire- that, that, that directs us. He is the one that allows us to know, okay, this is mine to own. And then this is an opportunity for me to carry somebody else's. Absolutely. And I love uh, that image. He uses the day together and the day alone. Bonhoeffer does. Mm-hmm. And those things exist in tension with one another. We need both of them. And I know for my own life, when I was in college coming to the Lord, I was very much aware of my areas of inadequacy, really my insecurities where I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I don't feel like I have all the answers. I still struggle with X, Y, or Z, or probably all three of them. And I allowed that for a long time to keep me from sowing into the lives of others. And what I realized was actually when I stepped into that place of dependency upon the Lord, stepping into works of service, stepping into the messiness of life with other people, what that also did is it, God did a wonderful transformative work in my own life. Mm. And so it was only, and I think that growth was predicated upon me taking that next step in my faith, a step out and saying, I am going to step into now sowing. And that's when the Lord was faithful to bring about that growth in those areas of my own life. And so for me, I was ignoring one aspect of this for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And it was only when I stepped into the tension of both and that I really saw the growth that I was looking to see in my own life. Yeah, that's that's so good. I think one of the things uh, I'm naturally wired towards in a similar way is, is wanting to help people, especially if I hear about a problem. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I just naturally feel like I want to fix them or kind of solve a, a problem. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on just practically what, what does that look like? I know you mentioned, Jose, the Holy Spirit. What, what does that look like? Is it in the midst, midst of a in the midst of a conversation with somebody that you, uh, you know, come up with questions or ways you deal with that or praying for people? Kind of what are ways you just navigate so much of the complexity? 
complexities of the interpersonal uh, struggles that someone may, you know, put on, on you. Oof. Yeah. Just, uh, that, I mean, that, that's a whole seminary course <laughs> that can be a whole, uh, lifetime of learning. I think what he's teaching me now is again, according to this, what he, what he says specifically in Galatians six, I'm I am responsible for my faith in Jesus, my 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 personal growth. I can't remember in college for me. I, I was tempted to follow other people's faith. I, mm. I looked up to people, yeah. and so I, I wanted answers from other people, and I did get great answers from other people. But that came to a stop. I remember I left for the Netherlands my third year of college. Now I was on my own, mm-hmm. and I didn't have those people. Now, we always need community. I found a church, but I, I didn't have specific people that helped me grow. And it was so good for me mm-hmm. because I got closer to Jesus in a way that I hadn't grown closer with him before. So that intimacy that we have with the Lord is ours to cultivate. And so recognizing the difference when we're walking through hard things with people um, is so important there. Okay, How, what is Jesus teaching you? through this because we can fix problems when, when God may be wanting to teach us a hard truth through a problem. And so if we go in too quickly, we, we may be, we, we may be hurting that person in, in a way, you know, where, where God's saying, Hey, listen to me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where I mean about the Holy spirit in my life. It's, it's been so evident. And I think that's something that Paul's getting after here is it's, it's not a always do this, always do that. It's a case by case. Listen to what the Holy spirit wants you to do, because ultimately he, he wants you to be more like him. Yeah. And I think that you hit on the foundational principle there, which is like, we aren't the savior, right? We can help Mm -hmm. to solve problems. We can be a sounding board. We can hold people accountable. We can do all of these things, but it is not my responsibility to save anyone. It's only through the context of a personal relationship with Jesus. And so when that burden of fixing or solving or our Messiah complex (laughs) goes away, then it allows us to simply listen to understand. And when we listen to understand, that gives room for the Holy Spirit to illuminate those things that it's like an opportunity to then, uh, quite frankly, for me, meeting with college students, the more questions I ask, they, the solutions arise out of their own reflection. And all I am is to do is to then reflect that back to them. Like you just told me. It's good counseling, man, right there. That's good. (laughs) You just told me what it was, but if I'm not listening and discerning the Holy Spirit, then I miss it. And I, in my flesh, hop into, I will fix it. I will solve it. I will give you the answer instead of just listening and discerning. Yeah. Yeah. It takes the pressure off. We talked about that just even with the gospel itself Mm -hmm. and how we're sowing seeds and how we're not the ones that do the saving. That's, (laughs) that's God to begin with. And that's a, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing there. Um, as as we kind of wrap up this particular part here, the priorities talking about kind of the brokenness, what would be, uh, an encouragement that y'all would have just for someone that's maybe feeling, we, we've talked about this several times, but just overwhelmed by the brokenness, overwhelmed mm. by the sense of maybe they're not even thinking they're in a position to sow into other people because yeah. they themselves just feel stuck or feel hopeless. And maybe they're, they're not, you know, full-time on a church staff. So they're like, I'm not a pastor. I can't sow into people. So how would you encourage someone that's maybe in a place like that, where they're maybe on that other end of the spectrum where, where they don't feel worthy to, to yeah. be able to sow? I, I would say two things. First, we can never outgrow 
our faith in the sense that we can't out, we can't out give, out out give God. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. You yeah. can't out give God. So focus on what He's given you. You know, really, <laughs> individually, and look at His promises and how they've come true in your life. Or or maybe you don't feel or believe that they're true. That's what faith is, is just believing in something that we cannot see and, mm-hmm. and, and may, may not even feel, but we're going to say, hey, I'm going to put my faith in these things. And then the second is start small in your sowing. Don't worry about saving the whole world or doing this big yeah. ministry that'll you know change the world forever and ever. It may be that, that vision may be of the Lord and that may be what grows from, from, from your efforts, but start small, start with a text message, mm-hmm. start with a person. Uh, I love JD hearing about God leading you out of that, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, you're yeah. not, you can't do this. You can't do that. And then you're like, no, I have to get out and start sowing. And then in the sowing, that's also how God grows, grows mm-hmm. us individually. So yeah, I remember in grad school several quarters ago, I was taking an ethics class and we had this whole long discussion about whether uh, Christians should be nihilists. <laughs> and like, is there a place go there? for Christian that- nihilism? <laughs> and essentially this total pessimism about the brokenness of the world. Is it the world always just going to be broken and we should not do anything to fix it because it's just broken. And so we should just give up and not have any hope. And I you can make some compelling arguments of like the world, sin is a a reality in our world and therefore brokenness will always exist. But that isn't like license to then give up or to just be so discouraged by the brokenness that we never participate in the act of sowing. And I think, Jose, it's so key that you say starting small. It's not fixing the problems of the world. It's maybe just grabbing coffee and listening to one person who has an actual need. And there, for me, I've had to realize on a campus of 38,000 students where I want to see the gospel reach all 38,000. One at a time. And yet it happens one at a time. time. And so you start incredibly small. And I will say that it is in the context of those small things that God gives me a vision of hope for the future. There you go. That he is ultimately redeeming and restoring and reconciling all things to himself because I see it in the evidence of a single person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's enough. It is enough enough. to amaze us. Mm -hmm. And it's enough to to say, okay, God, this is true and you are good and I'm in because I want more. I want more of this. Uh, I love that you mentioned not giving up (laughs) because that's how Paul ends this passage. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. I love that. At just Mm. the right time. It's not our Mm. time. It's not quickly. It's not maybe even in our lifetime, but at his timing, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Mm -hmm. So we as collective, it's not an individual sport, which is another big piece to all of this is this isn't just one person, you know, that passage that I shared from the stage, hey, give back to your teachers. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll get to ask things from the church. No, it's saying that it's not about you. It's Mm -hmm. us together doing small things when that adds up if we each do our own small thing it, it's a big thing mm-hmm. and we will see a a harvest and again may not be in our lifetime but it's talking to the church and uh, that's that's his promise some someday he'll come back uh, but until then we we have we have a job to do and that is to go and and sow seeds as we grow so this has been fun conversation really fun yeah Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. 
Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.